0: This is the I Read Comic Books Podcast. I am your host, Mike Rappin. Before we start the show today, I want to remind everyone that we have our survey going on right now at ircbpodcast.com slash survey. Go there. Tell us what you think about the show. Enter for your chance to win $10 to Comicsology. It's really awesome. Please go do that. We're looking to get at least 50 to 60 responses, and I think we're very close right now, so go do that. But now let's get to the show. This week, I am joined by two amazing people. I love them so much, Tia Vasilio. Hello. And Renee Rodriguez. Thank you for coming back, Renee. Hey, it's always good to be here. I'm so happy that you're both here today. Renee, I miss you. Tia, you're the best. (laughs) Let me ask you the question that I ask every single week. How have you been? How have comic books been? Tia.
1: Well, you know, I can't lie. I've been kind of in the depths of despair. Everything's awful in the entire world. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, when I need a little break from all the awfulness, I read some comics, and there there were some pretty good ones this week. So, you know, small... Uh, take my sort of small happiness where I can. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Let's see. Well, it was a Wicked week. Wicked and Divine yes. number 30 came out. Uh, Jamie McKelvey and Matt Wilson doing art and Karen Gillen writing. And all right, so... This was a super depressing one, you guys. Oh yeah. We are in a place where everyone's kind of split up. Morgan won't let anyone see Baphomet. It's been revealed that she's been beating the crap out of him. And um let's see what else. Dionysus is like trying to trying to get it get a chance to see him, make sure he's okay. And so You know, stuff happens with that that's really heartbreaking. There's, like, a Dionysus reveal that that just absolutely broke my heart. He doesn't deserve this kind of treatment, you guys. Okay? Protect Dionysus 2017. (laughs) What else? Uh, Then there's... um, Persephone and Sakhmet who like I just I really think she's gonna be the next one to go. I don't see how there's any way around it. She's really bad, you guys.
0: <laughs> she's that's, really bad. that's being nice about it, yeah.
1: Um, like I feel a little conflicted that I always get her in the p- personality quiz because, like, even I. Which one, Sakmet? Yeah.
0: Okay. Yeah, that's what I thought.
1: Even I recognize that, like, she's pretty bad at this point. So anyway, <laughs> there was that. Oh, and then there was also in um, Karen Gillen's sort of uh, questionably moral ladies. Afra number eleven came out, and she's got this crystal. This is kind of the aftermath of Screaming Citadel, where she uh, has the crystal with the consciousness of the ancient Jedi inside, and she's going to auction it off to all the like bad guys in the galaxy. It's- Kings is going to go great for her.
0: Oh boy. Yeah.
1: And um he could apparently like telepathically control uh you know electronic stuff so she's got all of these things in place to to keep that under control like safety checks but you know that she also has like a lot of really bad people hanging around and murder droids and all sorts of things that can go wrong and as you can imagine most of them do and there's a big twist at the end where you're like oh shit this just is not gonna this is a bad place for Afra. <laughs> <laughs> uh what else i read Spiritist number one, which is from Vault Comics. They are an awesome sci-fi and fantasy publisher who are just like every single thing they've put out has been spectacular. They're publishing Heathen now, which is a favorite of pretty much everyone's Natasha Alterisi's book, uh, Lesbian yeah. Vikings. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Which I, you could pre-order it or um, start a poll if you don't have one because the like second arc is about to come out and you can go and find the like order code for that online. It looks cool. There's mermaids. Anyway, Spiritus is by Tim Daniel and Michael Kennedy, and Laura Norby is um, doing lettering. I was describing this to you, Mike. It's one of my favorite covers that came out. And um, it, it sort of reminds me of like demolition man but then also like a kind of underground railroad situation like if you're arrested and convicted of a crime your consciousness will be put into a robot and your body will be destroyed and the robots are basically like slave labor robots and so this woman who's falsely accused of murdering her husband is approached by this i don't know uh criminal uh, of some kind I assume because he basically tells her I've got these hacked robot bodies and I can't stop them from putting you in one of them but I can make sure that it's one of these hacked bodies so you'll have autonomy over your physical self and in exchange for this you have to help me like get other people out of this situation so I'm really fascinated by this and it's really beautiful. The design is super, I, I don't know, like kind of pushing the envelope. It really plays with the design in terms of like how it contributes to the storytelling. You know, I love that sort of thing. So, uh, oh, yeah. Yeah, oh, yeah, you should check it out. What else? Um, I read Megan Mogg in Amsterdam. This is by Simon Hanselman. I picked it up at um, San Diego Comic Con and he drew some characters in it for me. So that was cool. And, um, like, I don't know if anyone has ever heard Simon Hanselman speak or seen him at conventions, but he he's from Tasmania, so he has, a, you know, a cool accent. And he's also just, like, a really cool, funny guy. I was really not sure would like, Meg and Mog, the humor is a little bit vulgar at times. They're, like, these stoner, Meg's a witch, and Mog is her, like, cat boyfriend, and they also live with Owl, who's, like, kind of a drag. It sort of reminds mm-hmm. me of The Young Ones, which was a show in, like, the 80s and 90s in Britain. Um, it had uh, Rick Mayall on it anyway so it's just like it's like super kind of gross humor and I was like I don't know if I'm gonna like this but Simon Hanselman does it in such a smart way that it actually is absolutely freaking hilarious and um, it's done in strips and they're like a couple of pages long sometimes just a page long and so it's just like kind of vignettes of their life being like depressed stoners kind of burnouts and um, (laughs) it is it's so funny and I was Reading it on the airplane, and the kids sitting next to me, I had to like shield them from it, seeing some of this like really graphic humor. It was because they were, because like the drawing is, you know, it's like cute owl, cute cat. And I'm like, no, don't look at the cute cat. It's right now, it's like getting a rim job from a witch, okay? What? Oh, God. Yeah. Oh, um no. and so finally I will we'll talk about this more I know when we get to your turn Mike I read Redlands number one which is Jordy Belair writing uh by the way did mm-hmm. you know that she could also write and she's the most talented lady and I love her uh okay yes. Vanessa Del Rey is doing the art Clayton Cow- Cowles or Coles? someone said Coles. it's Coles. It's
0: wow yeah, I saw that on Twitter yeah. just a little while ago
1: Right. I was thought, I was like, oh my God, have I been saying it wrong? And I apparently have been. Clayton Coles. Same here. Sorry, Clayton. Love your lettering. Um, <laughs> anyway, Redlands was like the best opening scene to a horror movie that you could possibly imagine. But in comic form, we could talk about that a little bit later. Mike. We were kind of gushing over the art and the twist the yeah. end and yeah. stuff like that.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Renee, what have you been reading What's been up? How you been, man? I haven't talked to you since the last time you were on the show.
2: Yeah, I think it's kind of just funny because I'm only here like once a month or something like that, but um, I haven't been able to pick up uh, comics weekly in a long, long time, so I've just been buying trades lately.
0: That's good. That's good.
2: The last three trades, I actually just went to Vault of Midnight in Grand Rapids, and I picked up the... First volume of the new Nightwing series written by Tim Seeley with uh, art by Javier Fernandez. And I'm going to butcher this. I think it's Yannick Paquette.
0: No, I think that's right, actually.
2: Yeah. So I I love his art. I know I can't remember what book it was that I first got introduced to his art, but I really, really love it. I think it – I don't know. I can't remember. I think it was Thief, a Dark Horse comic, but it's probably wrong. I don't know. You're thinking uh, Dream Thief? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that... I think? Maybe?
0: I don't know. Either way. I can't remember off the top of my head.
2: If I'm right, cool. If not, I'm sorry, Yannick. But either way, I love your art anyway. I'm sure um, someone
1: can angry tweet at us and correct us all.
2: (laughs) Oh, God. That's a dream come true for me. (laughs) Angry tweet me, people. Day and night. Um... (laughs) But yeah, so I read the first volume of Nightwing, and it was pretty interesting because it's right after his, Dick Grayson's done being a spy, and he's like, I'm gonna, you know, be Nightwing again, but the Court of Owls still want to use me for some reason. I haven't read Batman in a while, so it was pretty uh, pretty weird and pretty hard getting back into, but it was, it was pretty interesting for the most part. I, like, want to keep reading it, mm-hmm. although there was... And I, I actually angry tweeted this last night, because I read it last night, um, and there's a, there's a uh, sentence that someone says, like, he, he's telling, this bad guy's telling Batman that he knows everything about him, and he goes, I know all the things, and I almost threw the book across oh, the room. Oh, this is,
0: I saw that tweet last <laughs> night. I was, I was confused.
2: I just, I hate that sentence, but it, just, it also just felt really out of place, and I was just like, ugh, gross. But... Still, is it pretty. It's interesting.
1: interesting how how ubiquitous that's become because wasn't it? I think Hyperbole and a Half started that.
2: Oh yeah, oh yeah. I didn't know who to blame. I just know that I didn't like it because <laughs> it just <laughs> it, it made the it made just the the tense moment feel less tense. I mean, not that oh, I ever I see. not that I'm ever concerned about Bruce Wayne's life, but you know, he's Batman. Still, he's still there's be some fine.
0: suspense in those books.
2: Um. But I also picked up Volume 3 of The Unwritten by Mike Carey and Peter Gross. And that series is fantastic. And even though it's, it's so confusing, I, I, just, I have to take, like, aspirin after reading this book. But it's, <laughs> it's, so, it's so good and so very interesting. Mm-hmm. And I feel like Volume 3 is the first time that I've actually started to feel like I'm understanding what's happening in the story even though like, I've just completely lost 100% of the time. And for some reason, near the end of the volume, they're like, we're going to do a choose-your-own-adventure story with the characters. And I what? was like, yeah, yeah. It was like, so you have to follow the page number. like It lays it out, and it gives you the rules and things, and you have to follow it all the way through. And I was like, I'm not going to do any of that. And I just read it through <laughs> and was like, I'll piece it together later in my brain hole. And it worked out pretty well, but I mean, if... <laughs>
1: I'm really curious about what you keep in your brain hole that allows you to assemble all of these things. <laughs> like <Online>. Ikea furniture. <laughs> like one of those little doohickey things that you get when you buy the Ikea furniture and you keep one in your brain hole.
2: Mm-hmm. I guess. The thing is, I'm actually pretty good at putting assembling stuff together. So, it's because I mean, I put, of
1: your special brain hole.
2: I guess so. <laughs> but I mean, I, Episode made, title. I, yes. <laughs> I only got lost, like once or twice going through the unwritten. And so I was like, uh, in this last volume, because, I mean, the first two volumes, I was lost 90% of the time. But it's a good series, and I've been enjoying it, and I'm going to keep reading it. And Mm -hmm. then I I also got the latest trade of Paper Girls by Brian K. Vaughan. And uh, actually, I... I think it was the first volume of Paper Girls that I thought was only okay, and I wasn't, like, just immediately, like, telling everyone to go read it. And, um... Not that it wasn't good, because it still is. It's still a very good story. I still really, really like it. I think it's just kind of like he's building momentum to get to the next part of the story, kind of like around Saga Volume 4, I think it was, mm-hmm. kind of like that. There's just that mm-hmm. little, little moment where they're all just kind of like chilling out. There's nothing really immediately... Da- they're still in danger, but nothing very, very immediate until the end that, pushes, that raises the stakes.
0: Right, right.
2: So it's just kind of like a little bit of lull, and there's a lot of like interesting things that are definitely being planted for later but like it was it was just very interesting because like it's one of it's i always forget that there's that moment that there's those moments in comics especially in a good story where you're just like oh right i'm i'm waiting for the next thing to happen which is where my hero academia is right now in manga by the way not Mm. to give any spoilers but it's kind of at this point where i'm like all right we're just kind of at this lull moment before we get back into heavy dynamite i don't know but yeah, we'll that's, uh, that's, that's what I read this week. Cool. What did, what did you read, Mike?
0: Um, I, uh, well, I, I, I will say that, Renee, um, you're the reason I'm writing those Medium articles now. I'm five deep at this point um, in terms of what I'm writing. Um, so right? thank you for, for being the inspiration for you know, <laughs> to getting me right? to write about X-Men all the time um but as for me um i've been pretty good working on on some stuff on the side for the show but i also was have been reading a bunch of comic books i read Mi- Mr. Miracle number 1 by Tom King and Mitch Gerads this book was interesting it felt a lot like the opening to vision in the sense that it felt like it was very much separating itself from the rest of everything going on in the greater continuity of the universe um I admittedly don't know anyone or anything In this book, so I'm really uncertain as to where it's going to go, how things are going to tie in. I know very little about Darkseid. So I'm trying to go into this as blind as possible to to get that new reader perspective. It's something that I think people who've been reading comic books for a long time don't get very often. So I'm excited to be in that position, especially with a Big Two book. Um, overall, I liked it. I'm gonna keep reading it. I know that it's a maxi series, so that at least can, you know, I can plan on that in terms of, you know, spending in comics and budgeting. Um, overall, it's pretty good. Pretty good stuff. Um, I read Secret, not Warrior. Secret Weapons Number Two. Eric Hesserer and Raul Allen. This is the Valiant book all about the quote-unquote weirdos of the Psyots, aka my favorite kind of X-Men books. So this is basically an X Men book in the Valiant universe. So far, so good. I really would love to have the power to talk to birds, like one of the characters I in this book love does. That so, so much. Um, that's my favorite part about this whole series, <laughs> is that there is a character who can talk to birds, and also watching American Gods, the stars TV show, seeing Odin yell at a crow for like <laughs> half a minute. Um, just kind of solidified that, that belief that I have now that I would love to talk to birds. Um,
1: oh, my God. So remember that weird Michael Keaton movie where he was Birdman? How can we, like, combine <laughs> all of these things?
0: We'll, we will find a way. If there is a will, there is a way, right?
2: I don't know about you guys, but I actually said Birdman when I saw Spider-Man Homecoming. And he, was, he flew in as the vulture. I was like,
1: Birdman! Yeah, you know, just... Too perfect. Too (laughs) perfect.
0: You have Um, to. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Let's see. I also read Redlands number one. Um, Boy, oh, boy, this book. I had a really high bar for this series uh, or for this first issue because Jordi Belair is so fantastic in general i just assume that her writing is going to be i mean she's been in the industry for long enough and she's worked with some very very talented creators over the last however many years um to see her actually on writing just blew my mind and then reading the book was even better than i could have imagined i had no idea what this this book was going to be about other than just witches and like i can get on board with that Please, Um, please
1: please read it in guided view in the dark alone because there are certain panels that will just make you cry they are so scary yeah
0: it's it's a terrifying book and we're only one issue in and i know that i've said on this show that i'm not a big fan of horror books but this one really wrote me in because it it feels like the chilling adventures of sabrina mixed with like the gritty darkness of witches um but then there's just vanessa del rey's art just like punches you in the gut like she the way that they did shadowing in this book uh, and I think that's a credit to both Belair and Del Rey in terms of how they mesh together with their art and the coloring yeah but there there's some panels that were just so cleverly crafted that I was like putting it up against different layers of light to or different types of light to see if I was missing something in the shadows which means that there's definitely something spooking me out about this book <laughs> And um,
1: I feel like the it has like almost kind of a scratchy quality, and so this takes place in the kind of like rural Florida town, and so yeah. the line, the kind of scratchiness of the lines gives it a really kind of I don't know grittiness, but it isn't. Gr- it's not that grimdark aesthetic where you're like, oh, I can barely act, like see. Like I like I couldn't finish watching Daredevil because I'm like I literally can't see. Is this supposed to be conceptual? Like Daredevil's <laughs> yeah, blind and God. I can't see, yeah. Yeah. but like. Yeah. Yeah. this book doesn't do that it manages to have a gritty aesthetic and like really give you a sense of the of the griminess without y- literally making it impossible to see and then bellaire's colors yeah. give you like i felt so stuff's on fire and it's in florida like it's hot it's smoky it's smoggy it's humid the air is thick and you really mm-hmm. like get that from the colors like you get the atmospheric tenseness it's so
0: good yeah They they totally one of the things that I was really impressed with in this book is their use of light, which isn't something you really consider with comics. But like the whole scene is lit up by either bad lighting, no lighting, or fire. And so that's going to like put a a coating of orange and yellow on everything, and they did that, but not to the point where it felt bright, but that it was murky. Um, And it was everything was still like legible. You could still see it, but there was that thing like when you're when you're out at a campfire and you're like seeing people's faces, you're not seeing their whole face, but you're seeing like the outlines of their face, and that's what all the art looked like in this book. It was so well put together. Like really, I cannot credit how amazing the, the colors and the art and the inks like it all worked really really well and to top it all off Jordi Blair's writing is superb uh every oh, so every good. every piece of dialogue was like important and worthwhile and needed to be on the page and was well placed I mean Clayton Cowler Clayton Cole's his lettering it was uh, man this book is superb if you're not reading this book it's a mistake okay I'll just and say the that.
1: cover the cover art is like renaissance creepy
0: yeah <laughs> yes the kind of thing you would expect, like in a modern era, like H.P. Lovecraft style, like painting on someone's like wall in a Hannibal horror movie. Hannibal
1: collects this print.
0: Yes, exactly. Yeah. So, which Redlands? number heard they bringing it back. Whew. Oh, really? Hannibal? Yeah. Oh wow. Anyway, that's pff, totally different discussion. Random aside: um, Hannibal yeah. reads
1: Redlands. I'm telling you. <laughs> Yes, yes.
0: Uh, let's see. I also read uh Generation Gone number 1. Oh, um I loved finally this book. Uh, Alishcott uh Andre Lima Areu uh, Arejo. I'm not going to pronounce it. I think I'm
1: it's
0: Araujo We got to make that
1: database.
0: You do got to make that pronunciation database one day. Um anyways, this is I knew what to go I knew what I was expecting going into this. Um I didn't expect it to be as slow paced, but I'm glad that it was 60 pages. The slower pacing of this story totally worked for it and like really got me invested in the story. So by the end, when everything ramps up to 11, um, with the big old twist ending, oh boy, it was so, so worth the read. Um, I'm going to definitely keep up on this despite Nick yelling at me going, Mike, what are you doing? Mike, what are you doing? Um, I actually enjoy Alice Scott's work, so it's, it's fine. Um, <laughs> finally, I, I read Delicious in Dungeon Volume 1 um, by Ryoko Kui and... Oh, boy, if you want some some weird manga that's – it's a cooking manga that's in a fantasy world where if you're traveling through the dungeon and you're an adventurer and you need to make food, this is the book for you. It's totally bizarre, and I am a total geek for it. I'm huge Dungeons & Dragons fan, so, um, yeah, this is, this is the book made for me, I think. Um, anyways, <laughs> so let's move on. Let's talk about comic books coming out this week. Comic books released on August 16, 2017 <laughs> – Not 2014 like I have in the notes. What are you guys (laughs) reading this week? Renee? what are you excited for? Oh, you know me.
2: I'm always excited for manga. Mm. Uh, Always, always, forever. Tell uh, me. I don't think there was any chapters this week. I check religiously. But the series that I am currently in love with is Dr. Stone by Inagaki Richiro, which is a series about where the entire world one day is just... All the mammals are turned to stone and then... Three thousand years later, a couple of humans have broken free, and they're trying to recreate civilization. So there's uh, one kid that's one kid that's really really strong, uh, and then there's his best friend who is a scientist who knows all the scientific things because he's read every book in existence. So he is just trying to recreate civilization from the ground up, and it's very goofy and it's very fun, and it's I am in love with this series. I would highly suggest it because it's a lot of fun to read.
0: Gotcha. Is this a is this a newer series then?
2: Yes, this is a newer series. This is a,
0: It's only got like
2: I think less than twenty chapters. Okay. So it's okay. uh it's definitely one of the ones that uh, Shonen Jump is putting a lot of faith in to sort of make up for the loss of Bleach and Naruto and uh, you know Assassination Classroom and all the series that they've that have ended in the past uh,
0: year or two. Gotcha. Very cool. Very cool. There's
2: also Robot Laser Beam by Tadatoshi Fujimaki, who is the writer of Kuroko's Basketball. Mm-hmm. And uh, Robot Laser Beam or Robot X Laser Beam is about golf and
0: it's I, <laughs> but I still do not understand that. That is the most ridiculous <laughs> golf manga name ever.
2: It's because the the main character's name is uh, I can't even remember. It's, I think it's Roboto, though, but <laughs> because he's he has a, a form of Asperger's, so he acts like a robot. So his nickname is Robot. And you know, his- maybe
1: if golf had more robots and laser beams in it, people would be more interested. I don't know. I I'm think. Just
2: saying. I think you're. <laughs> no, on I something. agree. I started reading it because of the weird name, but the laser beam is the name of his shot because he. His shots are always very straight, which is... that Everyone calls it the laser beam because it's really hard, I guess, to do it. I don't really like golf, okay? I hate golf. <laughs> but...
0: But this but manga...
2: <laughs> Tadatoshi Fujimaki makes every sport that I don't like interesting so far. Because I actually don't like basketball, and I am all about Kurogo's basketball. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. Robot X Laser Beam is so good. And it's got... Oh, gosh. I don't know if you saw this tweet of mine, but I was reading it, and they did this whole trope where they're like, oh, there's this one character that's so good at using pitching wedges, and they call him the Wizard of the Wedge or something like that. And I was like, oh my gosh, that's so stupid, but I love it. Oh. (laughs) and I just all I could think of was like I am weeaboo trash don't look at
0: me oh no (laughs) well that's that is the saying here we are all trash so it's fine it's totally fine yeah
2: but it's so good I mean it's really funny is the thing and Tadatoshi Fujimaki makes fun of himself in his books and so it's just really fun because you can see how much he enjoys writing it and so it makes it really fun and it's also pretty realistic as far as manga go
0: Mm -hmm. and um Mm -hmm. Along Uh, with that is Haikyuu. Oh, Renee, you're breaking all the rules. You got three picks? What is this? All right, tell me. me, That's only, that's
2: okay, sorry. You said manga chapters, I'm sorry, but that's all all right. Go for it. Well, along with that is Haikyuu, the volleyball one, which everyone should read, and it's really good, and it's really realistic, and everyone should read it, because it's awesome. Haikyuu (laughs) by Haruichi (laughs) Furudate. This has been your monthly manga update.
0: Thank you, Renee. Thank you. Tia, what are you excited for this upcoming week?
1: The Chilling Adventures of Sabrina number 8, which hopefully it comes out on time.
0: It's all witches all the time. That's me. (laughs) All right, so what's good about this book? I mean, we talked about it on the show before. Is it it keeping up the the pace and the, like, creepy factor? Oh,
1: it has upped it considerably, because, like, in the last issue, her dad showed up and, like, you got some back... But he's a tree! (laughs) We got all this backstory about how he is, like, this really powerful warlock and, like, you know, do we? How much are we allowed to swear on this show? I forget.
0: As much as you want. Anyway,
1: um, Mike he swears a lot. He like fucks I with a, lot, a lot, lot of demons, and um, yeah, it just is super, super uh, gross and scary and Satan-y, which I love. I just love it. <laughs> um, so, yeah, <laughs> I've never heard Satan-y the, before. Like, and the art is so beautiful and painterly. Like, just it's just really well done. It's everything I want in a book.
0: Chilling Adventures of Sabrina. Go listen to our Goodreads episode about it. It's a lot of fun. Um, For me this week, I am super-duper excited for an X-Men book called Generation X. I know. I know. Generation X number five. This is by Christina Strain and Alberto Albuquerque. This is the dysfunctional X-Men at school comic book. If that's what you need in your life, I certainly do. Um, Everyone's a misfit, and they're weird, and they know it, and they don't know why they don't really fit in, but they're a group of misfits that just hang out with each other. They've been... Kind of tracking this, this mystery of people getting abducted at the school or one person getting abducted, this another outcast character named Face. He doesn't actually have a face because part of his mutant power is a whole machine thing, and I won't get into it. Um <laughs> but, but Christina Strange, she is she is just nailing the the levels of like drama and these characterizations. Like her, her Jubilee is fantastic, her kitty pride is fantastic, Face, Quentin Choir. Um, i boy everybody nature girl like everybody that's in this book is so like has their own unique voice and they clash really really well like in the best and worst of ways this this really feels like the misfits TV show in a lot of ways um, where you've got a bunch of people that wouldn't normally talk to each other or hang out and they're just kind of Thrust in this situation together because they're all in the same class, and um, you know, through the power of friendship, we will solve everything. But that's that's not really the point of the book. It's it's coming to terms with who you are and accepting that you may be weird, but that's kind of what makes everyone interesting. Uh, and I, I really love this book. Like I I was kind of off put a little bit by the art in the beginning. But it's something like there's some weird angles and some characters are drawn in kind of weird ways. But other than that, like this book is really top notch. I I think it's it's one of the books that a lot of people are looking over. Um, and I really hope that this book survives for a while because it's it's very perfect. It's better in some cases than than other X books. So can't sell it enough. I'm, I'm biased, I know it, but Generation X is really doing a solid job um, as far as X Men books go. And if you if you're new to X Men, I think this is actually a good. A a good book for you to jump into just to, like, get your feet wet um, if you wanted to. I think that Volume 1 would probably be a book that I suggest to people if they're looking for a more down-to-earth take on the X-Men compared to the global scale. Everything's blowing up and everything's, you know, at 100% all the time, um, like X-Men Gold or X-Men Blue. So this isn't a flagship book. I think this is just one of those side X-Men stories, and those have always been kind of my favorites. So highly recommend it.
1: How many of them can talk to birds? Asking for uh, a friend.
0: Actually, one of them can, because her <laughs> name is Nature Girl. She talks to trees and birds and squirrels and everything. Oh Coincidence? My gosh. I think not. Is she so friends I'm
1: just, with Squirrel Girl?
0: I don't know. See, that's the thing. This Squirrel Girl could show I mean Squirrel Girl's mutant too. She she would fit right in with this bunch, yeah. I think.
1: Hmm. Interesting.
0: So Check this book out. I really, really. Oh, love
1: it. maybe, maybe they could date, and then they could have squirrels be the like flower girls and ring bears at their wedding. Wouldn't that be cute?
0: I'd be fine with this. Be, like a whole squirrel
1: be... themed wedding, like a, or like a like a forest <laughs> themed wedding.
0: Well, see, nature girl's really cool because she's got these antlers, um, oh my and God, she's got cute. like
1: Ryan Norris, Call antlers. me. We need to make this happen. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> And she's got, like, deer ears, and she's very just calm all the time. Oh, um, they
1: she would be so cute together. Yeah, she
0: She's a fantastic character. Like, and really, th- again, that's another thing I like about this book is they plucked out the, the, the outsiders and the weirdos of the X-Men group that have been around and were kind of created for maybe some comedic value. And now they're giving them some serious personality um eye boy for instance is a character who just has eyes all over his body and it's kind of awkward um but there's been some insinuation that his power is much stronger than he really just it's just more it's bigger than just being able to see from all facets of your body you can actually see on different spectrums and things like that but um i don't know how much they're going to explore with that and that's what i really like um is that there's a lot of potential here like as a big long-term x-men fan i know there's a lot of potential okay what strain's been doing so far has been top-notch
1: I just looked her up, and why does she have little bamfs all over her? This is this is even more delightful than I could have expected.
0: <laughs> well, likely because the bamfs don't know how to speak, and so they needed someone who could speak to animals. I mean, because oh. the bamfs aren't really like full blown yeah night crawlers; they're just like weird animal demons
1: they're for demon children <laughs> oh my this yes. is like i just looked this up right now because i was like i have to see this character and i yeah. i think i'm gonna read this now just
0: for this character mm, yes another one i got another one on x-men books <laughs> we're
1: all x-trash here Woo.
0: For our show this week, we are talking about what we're calling a comic book mixtape, where we pick a character or a creator, and we give a few of our favorite stories about that person, place, or thing, I guess. Uh, I I don't know if there are any comics out there that are about a thing um, or a place, but yeah, sure, Swamp Thing is a thing. So, um, Renee, you, you I think, came to us with this idea, so I'm going to kick it to you. What's your favorite thing or person or place, and what are the stories that you like about that? It's Swamp noun.
1: Thing, isn't it?
2: <laughs> I knew the Swamp Thing was going to come back to bite me. Freaking Swamp Thing.
1: Yeah. He's very bitey. Now,
2: I don't understand everyone's love for Swamp Thing, but we're not going to talk about Swamp Thing in this episode specifically anymore. Um, <laughs> it's swamp a Thing. swamp-free zone. I even, yes. I
0: don't
2: think Swamp <laughs> Thing. Anyway. Uh, so my pick for this comic book mixtape or one of my favorite writers uh, is Jeff Johns specifically because Jeff Johns got me back into comics after my middle school high school hiatus from them when my brother bought me the final issue of the Sinestro Corps War and I read it and it was everything I wanted in comics just every superhero ever fighting and there was all kinds of just mayhem <laughs> and characters plus it was it was awesome it was great it was so fun and so cool and it got me back into comics so that was that's always on the top of my list it's very in depth and you get to see all kinds of Green Lanterns and superheroes fighting each other it's it's awesome and along with that is just that Jeff Johns is really known for making Green Lantern cool again yeah. as well as Aquaman but that happened yeah, later because yeah. Uh, he he brought back Hal Jordan from the dead in Green Lantern Rebirth but that book sticks out in my mind because he showed you know the big differences between the Green Lanterns and the way their rings reacted to their willpower and their thoughts and things like that, and um, I just think Jeff Johns really creates a whole new level for superheroes in his stories, um, which is why my third pick for Jeff Johns titles that I think people should really read is Blackest Night, um, because it has that same kind of chaos as Sinestro Corps War, but sure. that it, it, it's crazy. But also, it's also got this underlying tale of heart and things that you didn't know, like in, in Final Crisis, Martian Manhunter died, and they're still dealing with that in Blackest Night, and Martian Manhunter comes back to life with the black ring, and there's all kinds of weird things going on. Oh, but, boy, yeah. But he comes back. And they have to fight him, and they try to hide from him, and he lifts up the building that they're in, and he's like, everyone forgets I'm just as strong as Superman. And, you know, <laughs> Jeff Johns has that attention to detail for characters and things that you, you don't think about or about characters we forget. Like, I think my favorite stories by him are and these are going to be the last two things I'm going to talk about—Infinite um, Crisis, which is the second of the three major crises, which is Crisis on Infinite Earths, Infinite Crisis, and Final Crisis— an Infinite Crisis is my favorite because it mostly deals with the younger versions of the superheroes, like the sidekicks and stuff like that. Because it's it's right after Superboy, who's in the middle of this existential crisis of whether he's more like Superman or Lex Luthor, and all kinds of crazy things that are going on. But it takes time to step aside from the main plot of this event that's going on to deal with what the main character is going through. And that was the first time I experienced something like that. So it was so rich and vibrant and real. And um I think the most important series from Jeff Johns that really shows that emphasis in its entirety is his Teen Titans run from like the early 2000s. I don't mm-hmm, know if either of mm-hmm. you guys have read that, but you should. Cause, no, everyone oh in the world gosh, has been telling me that I need so to read good. that book. <laughs> it's so good that I, I hate the Young Justice television show because it it just pales in comparison. Oh wow. It's, It's so not good compared to what happens in T-Titans, and I I know a lot of people are going to give me crap about it. (laughs) Give me your hate and your tweets. I'll, I'll take them. Angry tweets come at me, bro. But, I mean, it's so good that there's so many things that these characters are dealing with as they grow up. And he reintroduces characters. Like, he does the reintroduction of the Wonder Twins, but not actually calling them the Wonder Twins. He brings in obscure villains and characters like Blue Devil and Kid Devil and all these other things. Just all these other the kinds of that these characters of, are
0: going of through weirdo characters.
2: Yeah, and uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, like everyone knows Superboy is a clone, and there's a huge. I, part. I didn't
0: know that actually. Yeah, okay. yeah,
2: he's a clone of Superman, and there's this huge arc of him dealing with the fact that he's wondering if he has a soul or if he's been programmed by by Lex Luthor. Like, is he what Luther wants him to be? Is he a human being or, or oh, wow. a program?
0: That's some, and there's that's a some whole deep thing shit for a book called Teen Titans. <laughs>
2: yeah, yeah. And Tim Drake has just become Robin at this point, but he still lives with his dad, and he has to lie to his dad about being Robin, and he feels bad about it. And while he's really happy about being Robin, he doesn't want to be Batman. And then and his dad dies, and he feels really responsible for it because he's mm-hmm. a superhero. Mm-hmm and there's also a lot of things with miss martian and cassie sandsmark wonder girl which i don't want to go into because i don't because it's good and i don't want to spoil anything you absolutely need to read it because oh my gosh <laughs> it's so good and uh and ravager who is um i think i'm gonna get the i'm gonna get the uh, i'm not gonna get the name right um Slade Wilson's daughter Ravager who just wants to be like her dad but he doesn't really care for her because she's his daughter and he uh, views her as like not important even though he still manipulates her um so she's trying to break free from that but also make him proud of her and it's all kinds of crazy and emotional it's such a good book and it's one of those stories I can read over and over again and it's uh, it's my favorite by Jeff Johns you know so read that And uh, honorable shout out to Flash Rebirth and Fifty Two, and other than gonna just put someone on track to to feel
0: a bunch of things about DC superheroes.
2: Oh yeah, uh, if you want to feel deep, deep things that last for a while, like the other day I was, I thought about, like, remember when they brought back Raven? (laughs) God, that was so emotional. And it is, and even with memorable characters like, like even if you've only seen the old Teen Titans animated show from back in the day with raven beast boy and starfire and stuff like that it's in there too and they have their own things that they're working out you Mm -hmm. know it's just it's just so good because they like they like still fight crime and they even have like questionable dealings with the justice league superheroes it's all about how they feel about grooming the future generation of superheroes because we can we can always expect batman to be bruce wayne or superman to be clark kent and to to these heroes that's that's not their future to them, it's like, we have to grow up and become them. How are we, or what are we doing now that will impact the yeah, superheroes we are in the future? And I think that is super,
0: yeah. super interesting. I, yeah, see, as, as a non-DC reader, person who doesn't read a lot of DC books, like, that's the kind of thing that, I mean, Jeff Johns sold me in his JSA that he did. I mean, I, I felt like I didn't know any of the characters in that story, and yet by the you know, final issues of his run, I felt very connected to at least a handful of them that took a lot of the spotlight in that book. Uh, Mr. Terrific, Stargirl, for instance, um, I really I really enjoyed those characters. I mean, to the point where when new writers took over um, and, you know, Mr. Terrific got his own book, it's like I was willing to try stuff that I'd never hurt, like never really been into at all. Like there wasn't even some nostalgia factor. It was just a, I'd read this other story that he had delivered and it was very, very good. And I wanted to read more about those characters. So yeah, I mean, I can I can totally see it with Jeff Johns. Um, Tia, what are your thoughts on on the comic book mixtape?
1: Yeah, um, I mean, I obviously have some favorites, and there are some threads that connect them together. <laughs>
0: we we put a hard rule down on this: no Kieran. I think <laughs> no Kieran Gillen. <laughs> That's an unfair rule.
1: Um. Yeah. Well, so it's a swamp thing slash Kieran Gillen free zone. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Except I do, I do have to keep a uh, journey and a mystery, and that you know all of that sort of uh, Thor, Asgard kind of chunk of work. Because I think for me, if I were going to put together a mixtape and sort of similarly um, couch it in terms of this is kind of what really brought me back as a as a fan, in the same way that mm-hmm. Renee is talking about it, like Loki as a character for me. Um, I think would be that character that I would kind of build the, the mixtape around. If you start reading, like God, I would. I even would go back to the like, uh, J.M. Str. Now I say his name wrong. Not J. Str- Michael Straczynski. Yes, thank you. If you start with that and then you read through like siege and then you start the the map fraction thor and the journey in a mystery stuff and all of the like all of the ties go buy the omnibus it's like 750 pages you can also mm-hmm. do your like arm workout just by picking it up but like <laughs>
0: yeah.
1: if you read through that and- i was worried
2: you were going to say dollars yeah so did i <laughs>
1: Um, I don't remember how much it cost, and I don't want to know how much I paid. I'll, I just sort of like <laughs> closed my eyes and handed up my credit card to the Midtown Comics people. <laughs> right. <laughs> but anyway, it's really beautiful. Uh, the, the, if you take the dust jacket off, it's the book that Loki is writing in the comic. It's very mad. Oh man. Anyway. So there, so then you read through that. And then you read Three Young Avengers, and then you read Al Ewing and Lee Garbett's Loki, Agent of Asgard. And if you want to like get a B side on there, which you always have to have a good B side on your mixtape, you will do a little tangent and and go off into the original sin, uh, Thor and Loki. Miniseries, just suck it up and do it. I know. And it explains like all the Angela situation, and there are some really great Loki moments in there as well. There's actually a really touching moment where Odin like recognizes Loki as his child and also affirms Loki's gender fluidity in a really nice way. And then, yeah, so, and then you could, like, just keep going down the Angela route and get into the Angela, um, Asgard's assassin and Angela, um, Queen of Hell. So you could actually, like, make your own B-side on your, like, this whole uh, Asgard-verse (laughs) mixtape. (laughs)
0: <laughs> I like that I like that approach where you're we're actually thinking about potential B-sides. So Renee, I'm going to I'm going to give you some time to think about your B-sides for the Jeff Johns mixtape. Um but that's that's really interesting. I always forget I already that, got them. I <laughs> you, you've already got. Him. Okay, okay. I'll let you get to them. Uh, let me let me just let me just respond they, a little bit to your honorable mentions. There honorable mention. The I got you.
2: Uh, that's all I'm going to
0: say. Right, right.
2: If you want to know more, get at me on Twitter.
0: Yeah. Just just hit up Renee. Just bother him. Just spend all yeah. your days in time. Just bother Renee on Twitter. Um, <laughs> <laughs> please. No, but I, I think that's really I'll respond, th- I don't care. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think that's really interesting, um the, the that the the like long span of the Loki story goes for so many years and it's it goes like all you all the way can- back to that. Yeah, and, it, but you could jump in at almost any one at any major stopping point I think, like new series or something and get up to speed, but to get that full experience, to get the full mixtape, you you can go all the way back to the J. Michael Mycroszewski run and just mm-hmm. watch that character develop and grow and fall and fail. It's um, so great cuz it's really bizarre. I mean,
1: he is horrible in that like in that story I think it's like three collected volumes or something he literally he like moves Asgard to like Latveria for a while and he's like in league with Dr. Doom and he's like he's like kidnapping Asgardians and like giving them to Doom to do experiments on them and stuff like all this horrible stuff like he's really bad and I think that it really helps you understand why the Asgardians hate him so much even when he's (laughs) Kid Loki like you know he did some really fucked up shit and so um, you know it really sets that up as a real problem not just a problem that some writers came up with to make their story happen like they really did add on in a very very meaningful way to that and then when he realizes in Siege that he can't just be a bad guy that's not the god of chaos and he actually does that kind of weird about face and dies and you're like oh um, so yeah It's great. And then it really does come full circle through the, like, Al Ewing brings that whole saga to such a wonderful close. There's this scene that literally just made me cry at my desk at work where he, like, new Loki, like, basically confronts his old self and they, like, have this moment of reconciliation. And it just, if any weird kid who ever hated themselves needs to read this and, and it will help them.
0: Gotcha. Yeah, see, I I've always loved the Norse mythology books. I haven't read all of them, admittedly, but I've always found like a a thing there's something about the the way that marvel presents those books um it allows you to see something so great and grand like a giant like this this god this semi or you know this demigod even um you can the the fact that you can relate to them like gives you not only hope but it it's it's like a weird relatability that at the end of the day you you know even if you live for forever you can atone for you, you have the ability to atone for your sins and things like that it's 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 wild. I love that stuff. Yeah. And, and like the F- Matt Fraction, you know, Thor and the Jayma Krasinski Thor. Um, I never did get around to reading the Al Ewing stuff, unfortunately, but um, it's really yeah, it's good. Really good stuff. Yeah. Totally. And I,
1: I'm i glad that I like figured out a way to pull um, Phil Jimenez and Marguerite Bennett into the mix because I mean, we were talking a little bit about this before the show. I... I was a little mad at myself that I had such a hard time finding women creators and creators of color to really like be represented on my Mm -hmm. mixtape because that's like a very strong ideology that I believe in. And, you know, I think rather than beat yourself up about that, you just kind of have to take a look at the kinds of opportunities that creators get at places like the big publishers and, recognize that you know it even we have like our gail simones and our kelly c Jaconics and they're you know wonderful creative talented people and then on one hand i'm like i sort of feel like it's like there's always one girl in the group like oh well you get black widow and it's like too bad if you don't like black widow that's your character because you're the girl and you know i don't I'm not the hugest fan of all of Gail Simone's work, but I like love what she's done for the industry. And I think that she's a really important creator. And so it's a little bit frustrating to me to be like, Oh God, do I just like include these characters or stories that I don't love just for the sake of it? I mean, I understand a lot of people that's their argument. Like, Oh no, I only look at the content and I understand that I really do. But like, even at the same time, you just have to kind of unpack, like, why is it that that's the content that you like? And a lot of times the answer is just that, you know, talent takes time to, to develop and to create and to foster and that you need opportunities. And I feel like a lot of times, uh, you know, mar- people from marginalized groups, they don't, they're expected to kind of show up fully formed. And so they don't get get as many opportunities. And also, you know, and so we're just, I think that we're starting to get more into an era in comics where everyone's trying to be more aware of this and and rectify the situation. So like, so like, yeah, you know, it's, it's okay. It's okay if you can't immediately think of 10, you know, women or creators of color that you're like, yes, this is my mixtape. But also just think about why. That is, and yeah, and you know, and what and we're
0: trying to do to potentially fix it, right? To yeah, say maybe exactly. not this generation of comic readers, but the next comic, next generation, that it will this won't be even be a problem potentially, right? Hopefully. Like that's the hope.
1: Yeah, 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 and also, you know, it might the answer might make you uncomfortable, and it's okay. Just like you know, be honest, and it and it won't always be that way.
0: Right. Solid, i and here you know I'm gonna. I'm gonna Talk about my mixtape, I guess, in a second. It's just yeah. gonna be another old white dude. Um because
2: <laughs>
0: yeah. that's <laughs> yeah, I was I think uh
2: you have to follow that. <laughs> I know.
0: Um I mean my my approach to this was you know, I'm trying to think of books that was trying to get out of the big two in terms of um you know what I was picking, but I, I mean Tia's point still stands like regardless. Um it's something that like we we have to keep a, a talking about and approaching and thinking about um, when we're doing things like this, when we're making listicles. This is our listicle episode, by the way. Um, <laughs> the word listicle uh, always
1: grosses me out so much. Just P.S. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, yeah
0: it feels, it, the word feels sticky. I don't know why. It just feels it like what sticky word. I don't
2: even know what you're saying. What do you say, Listicle?
0: <laughs> listicle, yes. It it it's an like article, a, but it's, it's a list.
1: It sounds like a thing that you oh. only want to Google in incognito mode.
2: <laughs> I don't think I want to Google it at all. I don't want anything I don't want any yeah, part of that. Yeah. It makes my skin crawl.
0: Yeah, the, good. It should. Um, I'm uncomfortable <laughs> now. <laughs> well my well let me let me make you more uncomfortable with my pick of Warren Ellis. Uh he this is the this is the Warren Ellis mixtape that I, I picked some options for. Um I'll start you off with a, a you know, a little bit of weird. We're gonna get you know get the weird out right from the beginning. Um Injection, we'll start with that. I this book makes me think that there is still maybe magic in england and so i'm wondering if warren ellis is just telling a true-to-life story rather than just making up some fiction um so and i i always appreciate that he likes to toy with that idea of magic in the real world and then how technology deals with that because magic and technology never mesh in stories but what if they did and that's injection um, and I, I really like this book a, a whole bunch um, for that reason. He's playing with some fun stuff. And Declan Shelby and Jordy Belair on art only makes the book that much better. Um,
1: Jordi Belair killing it all over this podcast. Constantly.
0: Really. You really can't talk about comic books today without mentioning Jordi Belair. Um, <laughs> another book, uh, Global Frequency, um, was a 12-issue series of one-shots that took place in a shared universe of not about superheroes, but about the future-ish tech and how problems that exist on a macro scale can be solved by technology on a micro scale. I don't know if that's a great way to describe that book, but there were some fucking stellar characters in this book, um, particularly the head of the global frequency, and I, I read this book years ago, so I can't remember names off the top of my head, but the head of the global frequency, she is... The woman who knows everything and the only reason she knows everything is because of her basically right hand woman um, who sits and surveys everyone and everything um, who surveils, I guess is the word. Um, and I I really like this book just because it it was like a he was each issue was Warren Ellis just playing with a bunch of ideas ...without the need to draw it out any further than a single issue um, talking about global terrorism talking about surveillance talking about the surveillance state how governments abuse their citizens with surveillance and, and subtle blackmail things like that um, really really cool book uh, if you if you get a, if you happen to get your hands on a copy hold on to it for dear life because it's a really cool book and it's very scary rereading that book nowadays. Um, because I think he wrote this with the idea of well, Let's look at what the future might be And now it's the future So I think this is one of those comics That always people come back to Like Transmetropolitan um, Which is another one on my, on my list um, Saying like Who, what, what did you think about predicting the future um, And Warren Ellis said The fact that this happened means that something has gone terribly wrong um, <laughs> And I, I always like that about, about him Because he, he always manages to scare you With something that seems incredibly plausible um, even though it's fiction, another book that I would go after is Ministry of Defense because we've decided to dabble in historical fiction, where the the concept of the book is: what if England somehow had the money to go to space years before Europe or years before America and Russia? Um, and the, the twist ending of this book is bizarro and disgusting, but uh, it's a fun. Look at a what-if scenario, which is kind of the reason that I got really into Kieran Gillen's Uber, um, because I read Ministry of Defense. Thought this was a was,
1: Kieran Gillen free zone, Mike.
0: I know, I know, I know. I'm sorry. I just, just kidding. I I've his name. included
1: two of his books. Go ahead.
0: <laughs> I know. I, I, I noticed that, but I didn't say anything. I'll just say that. <laughs> Actually, uh,
1: three. Because <laughs> um, Angela Asgard's assassin. Okay, oh right. Carry on. Yeah,
0: you, you swindled me. Um, <laughs> no ministry of defense is really cool it's it's really short it's it's really bizarre um again i think that's what the name of this this mixtape could also be called is bizarre because the last book that's on my list here is next wave agents of hate which is a marvel book that was essentially making fun of all of civil war and how dumb superhero comic books are and somehow marvel published it um it took all of the a bunch of weirdo side characters from a lot of books and made them into a super team including a character called Captain Shit. So kudos to Warren Ellis to somehow for somehow making this book happen. Um, If you really just need a nice laugh at superhero comics in general and you're a big huge Marvel nerd like I am Next Wave Agents of Hate is the next book that you need to purchase hands down. So b sides for this book would be No Hero and I wouldn't recommend anyone read that or listen to that. Because no hero is disgusting, but it has to go on the mixtape because we need an extreme. That's what I'll say.
1: <laughs> Very good.
0: But yeah, you know, I, I really like this, this concept of the comic book mixtape, even though I just kind of ran through mine like a train. Um, I, I think, Tia, you have the actual theme that you should focus on, I think, with it, because the idea of saying, let's like cater some tastes and like give you a nice flow and feeling and like emotional journey to follow in order. I think that's really cool. And I, I, almost want like it's a custom like wish list of books that you need to read and order in order to get this thing. It's like when you get those reading orders online for like the full Civil War or the full yeah some yeah. other event. Um, I'd yeah, love like, to see it.
1: How could you like how would you tweak your Warren Ellis or your Jeff Johns lists to be like if you wanted to understand the genesis and development of this person as a creator, you start here and then I'm going to take you here on this journey with their stuff like would you change anything about your list
0: oh yeah Um, i think i would probably i'd
2: I'd probably just change the order
0: yeah yeah that i'm i think renee yours you you managed to to get a very good focus on yours in terms of you know superheroes
2: well i mean like teen titans goes into infinite crisis because one of the things that like some most of the young heroes in teen titans deal with is sort of not resolved, but they they deal with a lot of it in infinite crisis though I think I would take out the green Lantern stuff and I would have um, the series final Crisis Legion of Three Worlds because that mm-hmm. brings brings back a lot of things back into things that dealt with the Teen Titans, and it also sees the future. And also you get to see uh, Superboy Prime again, and you get to see him get some well-deserved justice because that kid is a prick and deserves <laughs> all kinds of hate. But I think I would also add in Tales of the Sinestro Core War, purely because there's a story about Superboy Prime written by Jeff Johns that explains, you know, his emotional state, because he also doesn't see himself as a bad guy. He sees himself as a good guy, but he's from like the 1950s earth where he's seen all the heroes do only good yeah. and they always win and then he sees the heroes in the early 2000s and how like, you know, dark and twisted and gritty they are and the things that they sacrifice to keep the world safe and how wrong that is because he's got such this strong moral code, but then he's also just a kid, so he keeps making mistakes and it's like, you know, when does your morality become just pushing your way of thinking on other people and when does it become wrong? And you sort huh. of see how that is and it's both heartbreaking but also like gives you this twisted knot in your stomach because he is a bad guy, he is a villain, he's a terrible human being. But you see where he's coming from and all that he wants and it's it makes you very conflicted about it but at the same time you still are always gonna hate him but they i would add that as a b-side.
0: Oh wow. <laughs> or add
2: add to the emotional journey.
0: Yeah, I was, see. I I oh man, I remember that Superboy story. Um I never read it, but I remember hearing like reading articles about it and it's always like that's that's pretty dark and twisted for like a quote-unquote Superman book. Um even though it's Superboy, but uh yeah, I for for my list, I think I would probably remove I would have to like either I would have to split this into two Mixtapes. I'd either need to focus on like weird science magic, which would include like injection um, and maybe some Ministry of Defense because there's a semi sci fi element to it. But I would also add in Orbiter and I would add in uh, Gravel, um, both really dark, weird books um, about sci fi and magic and travel. I mean, Orbital's not so much about. Magic. It's about the unknown, um, which feels magical because it's not defined. You know, as science. Um, and then, in terms of the science side, I would you know, Transmet and, and Global Frequency would stay. Um, I'd probably just drop Next Wave, Agents of Hate in general because it doesn't really fit in. Um, but I would add some of Ellis's weirder stuff. I think No Hero would probably join the fray. And there's another book, uh, the Doctor Doctor Sleepless. And oh, there's another Avatar book that he did that was about weird techno magic stuff um, that would probably all get joined into the the more technical side of things. But, yeah, it would have to be two mixtapes and I'd have to probably read a ton more of his other work in order to do a full good graft. You know, like when you're doing a disc, you'd listen to like a bunch of discographies to make a mixtape. You got to like you got to grab as much music as possible to make sure you're getting the feeling right. Um, I think that's what I'd have to do with him. You know <laughs> to add to the theme and do well so we'll have to do like five more episodes about this um, to make sure that we understand this but uh <laughs> one day one day um, anyway so I I think I want to wrap up here I want to say thank you to everyone for listening thank you to Renee and Tia for being on the show you can follow us all on Twitter you can find Renee at at 29 we need you to hit him up we need you to send some hate tweets his way Hate tweets Please. are
1: his kink apparently
0: yeah, yeah, that's it's Renee's at thing. Happy bros, and <laughs> uh, you can follow dudes do <laughs> Sorry, say again, Renee. I said
2: dudes do deaths because I felt weird for just saying bros. But bro, I mean dudes anyone. Just
0: bring it on. Yeah, yeah.
1: Send all uh, of your swamp thing erotic pinup art to Renee. Yes. At whoa, whoa,
0: whoa, whoa. It's too late. It's already been said. It's put to tape. Uh, you can follow Tia on Twitter at Portrait of Madam X. It's kind of spelled weird, but you can check it's it in the show notes. It's spelled the French notes. way, Michael. It's spelled the French way. Um, M-M-E. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Yeah. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at, at Mike Rappin. Um, you can also follow me on Medium at, at Mike Rappin, where I'm writing some articles to answer a bunch of X-Men questions for Renee. Um, You can follow IRCB Podcast on Twitter. uh, It's where we retweet stuff, post the show, post some other things. I respond to people at four in the morning and say, hey, thanks for listening. Um, I forgot to post a survey this past week, so there's no survey. But there usually is a survey on Fridays, which is a lot of fun.
1: We also have a pretty spectacular Goodreads group that is run by actual Goodreads Ninja Kate. Where we have weekly threads. We do a monthly show um, based around our our monthly pick that we vote on there. So you should check it out. There's cool discussions, etc. And you can also find us at IRCB.us. That's our website. All the episodes live there and links to all this good stuff.
0: Or IRCBpodcast.com because Mike forgot to update the flippin' show notes.
1: Michael. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> Make sure to rate, subscribe, and tell your friends about the show. Make sure to, you know, blast it on the internet and hand out pamphlets promoting the show because we love you. You can email us at ircb at Please reach out. We love talking to you, and I love spending big, long manifestos to people in response when they send me emails about Gambit. Um, you can <laughs> check out our... Amazing band, Infinity Shred. Uh, They're the house band now, that's how I'm calling them, but they are the best band in the universe. They do all the music for the show, and we love them. Xander is a literal wizard who also does music for the show, and I appreciate that he has not cast a spell on me from afar in Michigan. And I want to finally say thank you to everyone. That I know of, right? Like, (laughs) my hair is falling out, and I think that it's all Xander's fault. I don't know. But thank you to everyone for listening to the show. Thank you for sending us tweets and responding to our weekly threads and stuff on Goodreads. We love you. Thank you for rating and subscribing and all that jazz. And we will check you next week.